Take two. Take two. <laughs> All right. So Dave Martinez, you are tuned into uh, Dave and Chewy in Houston, the climbing podcast that is barely about climbing. So I feel that one of the richest things that climbing has brought to me has been the ability to have conversations with the people behind the climber. And so today I'm sitting here with Sydney Smith, um, the general manager of the Silver Street location uh, Momentum here in Houston, Texas. Hey, Hello. how's it going? Thank you for taking the time to have me out here at mm -hmm. your beautiful home in Houston, Texas and allowing this conversation to happen. Yeah, I I mean, I said it before, but I think it's really cool that that you're doing this and it seems like a vulnerable thing to do to start a podcast and to reach out to people, uh, strangers kind of, to, to have conversations. I'm not sure if the conversations you've had with the people before um, are all, like if you know them all really well, but I know you and I don't know each other very well, so uh, almost I think it's at cool all, that you're yeah. doing this, yeah. Um, the conversations happen when when I when I or Chewy take the initiative to say, "Hey, would you come and do this? Can I <laughs> can I borrow you for a little bit yeah, of time?" Yeah. And honestly, it's been so rewarding so far. Cool. Um, to just sit down and hang out and see where people come from, see, uh, hear about their background, what their vision is, and and just chat. So I have a few questions that I started thinking about and preparing before I showed up here. And just to, so we start getting to know each other. What's your background? Like, how did you get into climbing? How'd you end up here in Houston and the general manager at, at Silver Street? Um, it's definitely not, you know, a linear path. Um, so I'll, I'll take it back a little ways and try to be brief. Um, but I went to school for engineering um, and graduated from Iowa State University. And that's where I started climbing. Uh, my sister is, my little sister is uh, super cool, outdoorsy. Uh, and she is working at the outdoor rec program um, at the rock climbing wall. And that seemed like the coolest thing in the world to me. So um, I kind of got into it through her. Um, and just was like, you know, like a lot of people and they start climbing, like super obsessed. Um, and so, you know, the past eight or nine years since then, I've had at least some kind of relationship with climbing. Um, either I'm, you know, trying to be in a place where I'm climbing more or in the past couple years has been climbing super consistently. Um, and then as for being general manager at Momentum, I truly never would have thought um, you know, I'd be managing a rock climbing gym. Um, I graduated with my engineering degree and, you know, through a series of pretty big, like, life changes, um, had reached a point after being in my industry for, I don't know, four or five years of uh, realizing pretty abruptly that I, like, could not spend another moment um, in the environment I was in. Um, and saw that Momentum was looking for an assistant manager. And so I just kind of saw it as something to do in the meantime, you know, until I like figured out 
what the next step was, whether that meant changing, uh, you know, just industries and still using my engineering degree or pursuing, um, pursuing something completely different. So I started out as the assistant manager in 2017, really just, um, you know, on a lark and, um, didn't intend on staying and I also thought it would be like a 30 hour a week job I was like this sounds fun like it sounds fun to work at a climbing gym I was also so excited for momentum to open because at the time I was climbing at Inspire um, and I was driving you know 40 minutes each way uh, out to Inspire three to four times a week and so I was so excited for something to open up inside the loop um, I just figured you know I would jump on it it would be the out um, it sounded like a fun, chill job, um, and it's been fun. It's totally not been chill. Um, when I first joined on, we were just opening the gym. Um, October 2017. Yeah, yes, yeah. So I guess that's like about four years ago now. It's crazy how I much know, time has flown by. I know, it's flown. Um, yeah, you're right, because we opened in November, I think November 11th, but October was when we're still under construction um and i mean like from the start i was working huge hours uh you know just trying to get the doors open trying to get projects done in the gym before we opened trying to get people hired and then once we opened um you know i don't know how much people noticed who are members there at the start and were you member a member right at the almost start? at the beginning That's so, cool. so i had just moved back to houston <laughs> okay cool and i was like wow and that gym blew everyone else out of the water yeah yeah it's such a nice facility uh-huh. I, I don't know if you noticed at the beginning there was still so much construction that we were still doing you know for the first even like six months that we were open there's we contractors were still in and out all the time yeah so it was a ton like of the work. AC. <laughs> AC was such an issue. <laughs> the plumbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's so inviting. I think when yeah. uh, people show up there for the first time, they probably feel like kids again. The mm-hmm. colorful holds. Oh, for the, sure. The clean facilities, the friendly staff. Um, it's the type of place where people almost want to get a membership immediately. You it's know? so cool when that does happen. It's like every once in a while somebody will come up and they like haven't even toured the facility and they're like i'm here to sign up for a membership and you see that they're not even in the system yet it's so cool and exciting and you're like what <laughs> like, yeah i'm just i'm bought in this looks really cool definitely um, and so one of the things that stood out to me the most is how you guys have assembled a such a diverse team mm-hmm I like that a lot of the people that work there aren't climbers when they first join up because it makes it, I don't know if democratic is like the right word, but I feel like if only climbers are are behind the desk, it can be intimidating for totally. to people that aren't involved in the sport, yeah. you know? Yeah. So how have you done that? How have you found these people? That's a good question, and it's kind of fun because it's, like, my attitude on it has changed over time as I've kind of learned from hiring awesome people and being like, okay, how do we keep doing that? Um, But we started out with our first group of hires. We did group interviews, um, 
and I had never done a group interview before, but it was like we were bringing like 12 people into the room at the same time mm -hmm. and asking a question and then people kind of go around a circle and answer. And I thought that was a really ingenuine way of interviewing people. Um, I was not into it, but we were on a time crunch and that's what we were doing. Um, and that first group interview that we had in 2017, we ended up hiring or we ended up offering jobs to every single person in that group. And it was not because we were desperate to get people on. It was because everyone in that group completely jived, like all got along, like the conversation was lively. I still remember pieces of the conversation. Um, and, you know, I hear people that were part of those like part of that group interview still talk about it and remember what other people said um so so after that um I kind of thought that was a fluke and that you know like it's cool that the group interview worked that once um and we went to some like individual interviews and then over time we got back to the group interview thinking like maybe maybe there was something to it and now I'm a total proponent of it and you know it sounds nerdy when you ask like how do we assemble a good group of people if you get everybody in a room and you kind of explain the premise and address the awkwardness that is a group interview and just encourage people to you know let their guard down a little bit and let them know like hey the purpose of this interview is not to hear your specific answer to these certain questions we just kind of want to get to know you we want to see how you interact with other people because we want to see their personality come out. Mm -hmm. There's really no way of knowing, you know, whether or not somebody's a hard worker when you hire them, um, no matter what questions you ask. So we really just focus on, you know, we look for some of that. We have questions right. around that, and there's some things that can be red flags that make us, you know, back away from a candidate. But it's just so cool to see people interact in a room full of people and get to know each other. Um, we just had great luck with it. It really, like, it, it feels like every time we bring new people on, you know, we used to be kind of scared about it because we'd be like, our team is so good right now. They're cohesive. They all get along with each other really well. Um, and then we'd be nervous about bringing, like, three new people on. Mm -hmm. And then it was almost immediately, you know, we were hiring people based really on personality and whether or not we felt like they could fit in. Um, and it just you know people seem to fit in almost immediately and also that's giving credit to our current employees who are really welcoming and um you know just welcome new people in so i think it creates this environment where like everybody knows that we try to hire people that like will fit in and get along with the team and like bring something different um and so everybody's just open to it. We have such an eclectic group Absolutely. of people. Yeah, like to say we hire based on personality, we have a spectrum of personalities and a spectrum of like backgrounds and, you know, not a lot of people plan on working at a climbing gym. You know, they have other paths and this, you know, kind of like for me, sort of showed up in their path and uh, now they're here. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so generally, how long do does, does someone stay? You know, I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, and I probably should, but we have some people who are in college and um, 
younger who go on to school or they get jobs that they got their degrees in. Um, so we lose people to that. And then, um, you know, every once in a while we have people who are full time and they, you know, have a great opportunity that comes up. So for sure, we lose people to, to those types of scenarios. Um, shout out to Thomas Simpson, who is now the general manager um, of a new rock climbing gym opening up in College Station. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's really cool to see. Um, so we lose people, but it always feels like it's on good terms uh, for the Absolutely. most part. And, you know, we're now, like, optimistic every time we go into a hiring process because mm. we know we've got something's working in the process and we seem to just consistently get some great people. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And so this gym being I don't know if satellite's the the right word but an offshoot of a brand started in uh, Utah Mm -hmm. how how has that process been with I guess the people that you interact with on a um, like on a business level from that right as the climbers we never get to see that we only see the people behind the desk but how much autonomy do, do you have? How much, uh, how much have they done to support you? That's a good question. Um, you know, they give the general managers, so it's not a franchise, it's one business and our headquarters is out of Utah. Um, and they really give the general managers of each location a lot of autonomy in terms of like what kind of events we want to run, um, you know, to an extent, what kinds of programs we want to run. Um, and and then the things that we receive from headquarters is, um, you know, a lot of marketing. So the emails that you'll get um, that are pretty, like, brand consistent across all the locations, um, a lot of that will come from headquarters. And then they'll strategize on, like, sales and promotions that we do. Um, but in terms of what happens inside the gym, that's that's pretty local. I love the store and the yeah. way the <laughs> where the store is right now versus when it first started. That's cool to hear. Um, the the branded products, the collaborations with like Joshua Tree, yeah. um, climb with the creams and all of this. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's cool to see. That's kind of, I don't know if you remember, but the shop used to be run by REI. Mm -hmm. Um, And just for a brief moment in time, we had this cool partnership with REI where they didn't have any other shops, to my understanding, uh, opened up inside of rock climbing gyms. But Mm -hmm. they knew we were opening up these gyms. And so they opened up um, these shops inside our gym that was all REI. Um, And we didn't manage or touch it at all. And then, like, such a short time later... Um, like maybe six months, right? <laughs> yeah, it was so soon. They just decided at a corporate level uh, that they wanted to be shutting down box stores and, like, in-person stores and move more online. Um, so it was, you know, kind of a bummer for them, but put us in the position of Perfect. getting you to take it over. saw that it was working to a certain extent. Yeah. I don't know how successful it was. It's probably a lot more successful now. But a lot of the products were just climbing in general. Like mm-hmm. some, you'd see the a rope there. You'd see like right. ATCs. You'd see stuff that was more aspirational for like the yeah. bouldering gym climber versus what you see now. Like the 
the performance shoes. Yeah. You know, everybody can remember the first time they they got their first pair of rock clavic shoes yeah. and it feeling like the start of a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great. I love that store. And I also loved before COVID started the um, the the relationship that was with uh, Buffalo Bayou Brewery, mm-hmm. which I guess now is Buff Brewery, when they had like just they're like, hey, try our beers and yeah, hang out yeah. in the the spot. Mm-hmm. I remember That's that being really cool. a cool, uh, a cool vibe. A cool vibe, absolutely. Yeah, COVID definitely like put put a damper on that one. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So like COVID as a thing for the rock climbing gym, you know, from the outside, the gym looks super successful super profitable i don't know if that's the case but the optics make it appear to be so right but then all of a sudden having to shut down the gym overnight i remember coming back we went on a spring break rock climbing trip and on the flight back the world stopped everything was closed what was that like how were you keeping the team together during that time you know such a bizarre time to think about because you know in the position you were in too I'm sure like we thought it was going to be like a couple weeks so when we first shut down we had no concept that it would be two months and honestly like I'm so grateful that it was only two months um you know I, I could probably trash the Texas legislature for a lot of things and you know Texas politics for a lot but I've got to say I'm so grateful that we were able to reopen um because we were, you know, really cruising before before the shutdown, and it felt good, and we still had business goals to reach. Um, but to have a complete loss of income and then negative income because we were issuing so many refunds to people for their memberships um, was really scary. Right. You guys were like, <laughs> if you want, you could cancel your membership. Yeah. Yeah. And, and most people did, which did. totally makes sense. Yeah. We, wow. we actually had it where we automatically canceled everybody's and they could opt in if they wanted to stay, which was so cool. And a lot of people did. And it was like, like even with so they were paying for a membership that they couldn't use at that time. Correct. Oh, Correct. wow. So some people opted in to do that. Some That's climbing cool. gyms just said, we're going to continue billing you. And if you want us to stop, let us know. Okay. And that felt that felt really weird that felt really bad to us um so like in our gut uh so we flipped it around that everybody's billing was going to be paused unless you opted in and people did and it was really cool to have that support yeah but in the you know everybody was so many people were financially impacted by covid that you know i didn't blame more people for not staying members are not continuing with billing so that was just scary and really strange um and then you know it was quiet we didn't have staff in our building for six weeks um and did you still have responsibilities during that time you know I made responsibilities which I think was like really productive for my my mental health um but I just even though there wasn't that much to do, you know, I didn't, there was no members coming in, there was no staff. 
Um, I still went up to the gym every day and like had a set schedule Monday through Friday where I would make myself just be up at the gym. And it was weird because... Uh, I kept all the lights off to conserve energy. I kept the AC off. And it's a I big swear, space. it's such a big space. And like with no lights and no air conditioning, it was really quiet. And it was like sepia toned. Cause it, and like everything seemed like it was in a different dimension, like the upside down or something. Like just wow. strange and quiet and devoid of, you know, you go into the gym now and it's just so full of life. And it's, so energetic and this was the complete opposite Mm -hmm. um and then we did get a ppp loan uh and we are able to bring all of our staff back a couple weeks before we reopened it was before we knew we were going to be reopening um and we just had a ton of like gym improvement projects like sanding down and respray painting all our kettlebells and doing a ton of just like improvement projects in the gym which was a blast I felt like I was on drugs the first three or four days that we had staff back in the building I was like so I felt like I worked like four or five 12 hour days in a row but felt like I couldn't even sleep at night I was so excited just to have people back in the building and to have like energy back in the building um and was obviously so excited and really nervous when we reopened because there was like no guidance on how the hell to run a gym which people like breathe heavily in and like Mm -hmm. there's really no guidance from the government i it was such a weird time and then the frustrating thing being that at one point there was this idea that you had to have not only the mask but also gloves (laughs) <laughs> and, oh my god you know that didn't really make sense because the no, whole made no sense because it was a bunch of like old crinkly white dudes in the texas legislature deciding how how to keep like they hadn't been in a gym for 10 years and they made this rule about wearing gloves in the gym and at the time we didn't know whether or not there was going to be like enforcement of anything and at the beginning we did have some like like somebody came by in a car that was marked and like talked to us about like whether or not we are open and that was when we were still closed down and just had staff in the building and they like talked to us about it and so there's I was nervous that like like somebody was going to come in the gym and be like you guys are letting people lift weights without gloves and like shut us down again yeah and so I enforced this ridiculous rule that everybody hated and most people ignored. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't think. I, I mean, maybe maybe less than ten percent of I people. Think, I think people put their gloves on. Maybe when I came back, they like saw a staff member. They put their gloves on. I don't know. It was but like, you were trying your best. You were doing your best yeah. to follow the rules that they had put for you, and because we just didn't want to shut down again. Like, what yeah. if someone would have come and be like, "Okay, well now the gym has to close." It would have been horrendous. Like, and I it's because of you. <laughs> it would have felt like that, you know? I don't think there was, you know, like, now in hindsight, I don't think there was, like, any kind of enforcement agency, but everything was so unknown and so confusing There's a lot of fear in there the air. There was so much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just trying our best. <laughs> and now it's been two years almost, and or... Maybe I'm wrong about that. A year and a half, yeah. Yeah. It's been a year and a half. Since that happened. Yeah. And 
while we wore masks, still a lot of people wear masks at the mm-hmm. gym. I think that's great. Um, but the ability to also choose not to mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. For me, I love it because it makes me um, feel more free. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love seeing people's faces, too. It's, it's cool. It's so nice to see people's faces. That was such a... Remember, like, it was getting close to when, uh, you know, everyone was kind of going away from mass at the beginning of the summer, and I went on a walk with one of my... One of our guys on staff. We just went on a walk outside. And we took our masks off for it, and we were kind of walking far away from each other. And... Um, I saw his face for the first time, and he saw mine, and he was like, has, has your mouth always looked like that? <laughs> <laughs> you forget it what felt, people's faces look. You forget. Look. It was so weird yeah. and, like, really great coming back from it. And then, yeah, when the mask thing came back, um, you know, I'm glad we have a choice, too. I get nervous about it because we are so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, it seems I like know. everyone behind the desk is wearing masks. For the most part, and we gave them the same choice as members because it, it sort of felt like it would be a little bit bullshit to tell our members they didn't have to, but then for me to turn around and tell my staff, like, well, they don't have to, but mm-hmm. you do. And if mm-hmm. we're looking at masks as, like, a preventative measure, I felt like that was me telling my staff, like, well, I, like, if I'm not making members wear masks, but I'm making you wear it, I'm protecting them from you, but not you from them. And that felt, felt really wrong. I didn't like that at all. So I was like, you guys can do what you want. I, you know, encourage them to wear masks because, and we've had this a couple times, like if one person on staff gets COVID and they expose or potentially expose other people, like, we have to quarantine everybody and suddenly we don't have a staff to run the gym and that happened super problematic like we had one of the managers and one of the staff members from katie came over to cover us once because we lost eight people for like 13 days and we have a staff of like you know like 14 people so we lost half of everybody so um yeah, at first, you know, we were definitely encouraging people to wear masks, but it wasn't, you know, it was like we said it once. Like, definitely. I'd love if you did, but, you know, ultimately, and if people are vaccinated, that's honestly helpful. Definitely. Yeah, we don't have to quarantine people as well. Yeah. Yeah, I recently um, got my second dose, you know, and for a while, for a while it wasn't that I was necessarily against it but i was just stubborn yeah you know but i'm a um a handyman a contractor i go into people's homes i love it for the most part Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the couples that i've done work for for a long time like dave are you vaccinated and at that time a few months ago i wasn't and it made me think gosh like if i don't do this it's going to start affecting things, you know? And it wasn't yeah. so much that... I just didn't want to be told what to do. When it came totally. down to it... Yeah, totally. When it came down to it, that was my whole thing. I was yeah. like, oh, I don't want this. <laughs> you know, but... Ironically, though, nobody told you to get it at the beginning. But then when you got pushed up against, where then... It feels like we're getting to a point politically where we're about to be told what to do. 
and, is, and other I, things, right? And other things. And yeah, yeah, I don't like that either. I don't particularly like that, but that's funny. Yeah. So the things that convinced me that for me it was the right thing to do was I didn't want to have that doubt that just because I felt a certain way that maybe I do get sick and then I get somebody else sick mm -hmm. and then what if something happened? I didn't want to live with the what ifs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I did it feel great. Um, that's it. I did it for other people more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, I don't know if I like truly believe, you know, like I'm not yeah. a true believer, but, um, but yeah, I feel good. It yeah. doesn't, and I didn't want to lose any friends or business because of it, because of not doing it. Um, but it's, I think it should be people's choice. But you know, <laughs> to have the conversations, the people having the conversations like on social media and all these people, I feel like a lot of them, even if they're talking about they don't want to be vaccinated, a lot of them are, you know, just because they're public people, you know, mm -hmm. that interact. Yeah. and the backlash from not but yeah it's such a strange point in time where like that is something that you know you mentioned like not wanting to lose friends and not wanting to lose business how crazy like that that's it's very polarizing it's super polarizing yeah it's hard to wrap my head around you know even on the backdrop of such a crazy last year mm -hmm. but for sure and so now the gym's back open, mm -hmm. the climbers, um, the, the Katie competition happened on Saturday. Yeah. I wasn't there. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. I competed and it. it was the first time I ever competed actually. How'd it go? Fucking great. It was so great. Am I allowed to cuss on your podcast? Absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, thank when, you. Yeah. It was the first time I'd ever competed and I just, you know, I wasn't sure if the competition was going to push me, um, you know, if I was going to push myself in a healthy way or if I was going to, like, shut down. Like, I didn't know really how I responded to that kind of pressure. And um, so in the days leading up to it, I just tried to, like, build a good mindset around it. And, it you know, it helps that it's a great atmosphere and, like, the people I'm around are, like, you know, my friends and acquaintances and, you know, all familiar faces and people climbing really strong and failing in front of each other that's huge mm -hmm. that's a cool thing about climbing is failing in front of each other and just like still having fun with it so yeah the comp was great uh how'd you do really cool <laughs> well I, I competed in the women's advanced um oh, nice. i know right good I'm for you pretty sure it feels weird to say that because uh, i feel forever like a beginner climber um but yeah, I, I think I rung in last place, honestly, which okay. I, you know what, like I am so happy with how I climbed and how I performed. I think I put myself in the right category. For um, sure. Everybody's trying to win that intermediate. They're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. The inter <laughs> I think the intermediate was like 510s and 511s and then ad advanced as uh, 511 plus. And it, you know, it feels like when I'm at the gym, I'm definitely like projecting 12s and sending 11s it didn't feel right to be an intermediate but mm -hmm. um maybe I should have <laughs> I think I wouldn't have come in dead last but uh -huh. I was 
just excited to be there and like um yeah i could talk about that competition for a while but i had a really good time do you sport climb a lot well yeah like right now i'm kind of going through a phase of being really into sport climbing for a while like when the gym first opened and just prior to the gym opening i was like pretty into bouldering and back from that i started out in like top roping and then sport climbing Um, so I kind of feel like I've gone through this pendulum and even when I was in like a strong bouldering phase, I always sort of knew I would swing back into sport climbing. And now I feel like the past couple years have like, I have goals in sport climbing and not a huge, you know, like desire to jump back into bouldering, um, anytime soon. Uh, like I like to moonboard, but Mm -hmm. yeah. So, uh, I, yeah, I love sport climbing that's very cool and and do you like outdoor climbing do you like rock climbing yeah I love of course I love (laughs) rock climbing yeah I mean we're in the same scenario being in Houston um so I've really like last year really embraced rhymers um and was like and I think I'm gonna do it again this year I'm uh not traveling this year going on any trips I'm like trying to save and have some personal financial goals so I was like well you know what, I'm just going to, like, lean into Rhymers again and pick projects out in Rhymers, and I've really been trying to, like, get to know Rhymers well, and... It's so um, big. I mean, really, there's so much to climb. There's so much to climb, and, like, everybody talks about leaving Houston someday or, like, leaving Texas and being somewhere where there's, like, quote-unquote, like, real climbing. It's like, well, we've got, like, real climbing in Austin, and it's, you know, maybe not ideal, and it's maybe not super tall, but... It's really cool. So, um, yeah, I've <laughs> been climbing a decent amount in Rhymers, and then um, I don't know. I've been to quite a few of the major climbing places throughout the states and gotten some good trips in. Very um, cool. Yeah, it never feels like long enough though. Like I n- mm-hmm. always feel like the first couple days I feel like trash when I'm outside. Like everything hurts nothing makes sense I'm scared out of my gourd um and I always feel like I want another like five days to like perform so I've never like performed anywhere it feels like except for rhymers maybe I feel like I've just been a tourist okay yeah what about you what are your what are your favorite places so I'll tell you how I started so Mm -hmm. I first saw rock climbing at the green belt in austin i was hiking around i thought it was super amazing that people were up there i was like how do they get the rope up there (laughs) and so i got closer to it and i remember i started climbing around the time i was wrapping up university i was going to ut at the time so they had a little cave so i started um for engineering cool i wanted so in my mind i wanted to build things but in the sense of like my grandpa he would always have like the rc airplanes or he could you know fix a boat he could like make Mm -hmm. like these little junkyard projects like super cool like that's kind of what i wanted to do like like a real practical sense yeah of creating and then when i got to school and it was like a lot of math and science and like um and very much theoretical i was i was like oh this is not me so i really didn't i i kind of like and i almost failed i almost like dropped out of school thankfully 
um, as a last ditch thing just to fin- just to graduate because my parents were like, hey, we spent all this money and you're just like, <laughs> you're just, what are you doing? So, yeah. so I was like, okay, I'm going to graduate with a history degree. And the conversations that I had in those discussions were some of the most inspiring moments of being at school. Like, like in discussions about like in getting your history degree or in switching from engineering to history? Both. And I tried a lot of things before. I, I tried computer science, which I thought was fascinating, but also not me. Um, I, I really don't like math and science yeah. I think it's Fair. awesome but I, I don't like it does I don't that language is, is foreign to me yeah yeah and so the humanities so I tried I was like oh maybe I can get into business school you know be successful mm-hmm. and then like no <laughs> you already messed up your GPA you can't go into that school there's a lot of math in business and yes and so I ended up in the humanities and so the discussion so when people think about history they think about you know facts and figures right. and political people but what's really fascinating is reading the stories of different peoples and times and different places yeah, yeah. and seeing you know for example one of the classes that stood out to me was um i had an eastern european like jury class like about jewish history okay and so it was with Professor Lichtenstein, and she really challenged us to like what what is going on in this text, right? How how can we look at this stuff not in just like the common narrative that you hear of like very simplistic mm-hmm. of of the way things have happened, like what what was people's mindsets, like how did the 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 prominent figures come to power and why why it was a movement um you know really challenging stuff because it's not cut and dry a lot of these things um looking back at it from a historical i wonder how people are going to look at this moment in time as as a historical perspective and so really I love reading. So yeah. th- so as much as I don't like math, I love reading. Cool, I love people's cool. stories. Um, and so I graduated. I had just got, I was like, it's my last semester of university. I've always wanted to go to this little rock climbing cave that they had. I'm going to do it. And at, at the time, like 80 bucks for the semester seemed like a lot to me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was totally. Like, oh. That's so much. <laughs> like, oh. And so I did it, though. And I was like, this is so cool. And so as soon as I graduated, um, Crux was opening up and ABP was opening up mm-hmm. at, at those two times. Great gyms. Um, yeah. I started getting involved. I met this guy named um, Dr. James Williams. And I was like, man, my dream is to go climb in Yosemite. I want to I be a 512 yeah. climber. And he was like, okay, I'll, I'll, okay, let's go. And so he would take me out like every Saturday morning to go to Enchanted Rock. And from Austin to Enchanted Rock is still a bit of a drive. It's yeah, like more yeah. than an hour. Yeah. And so we would leave at the crack of dawn. We'd get there. And before 
it wasn't as competitive to get in as it is now. Like now, you have to for sure reserve like before you go. Like months in advance, right? Well, for camping at least, but for, I don't know yeah, about for something. But but before it was like for to get in was kind of first come first serve. But as soon as the parking lot was full to what they would say is full, like no more cars mm-hmm. could come in, or it was like one in one out. And so we would get there, the gates would open. And to be honest, granite climbing is not like limestone or <laughs> no, sandstone or the not. gym. You're like, no. there's no jugs. The way you move is so much more delicate and it is so rough. When it you make hurts. a mistake, it penalizes you. Yes, You're losing yeah. skin. Yeah. You can't just bash around, your knees will get messed up. Yeah. And so it was intimidating to, to be around this challenging rock climbing. And he was like a a serious like let's get down to business rock climber. And what's the age difference between like he was he... like a fifty year okay, old, and I was like right. in my twenties, you know. Oh, and like I would show up like stoned, <laughs> like, and he was the opposite. So I was yeah. like, oh, a hippie. I had like super long hair, okay. and he was like very like he was a family man, like very put together, but like so intense about rock climbing for him like it was important to stay on track to reach his goal of winning the granite gripper like when i first met him he hadn't won yet and so he would go and train like the essentially what's the um, granite gripper is that an so, enchanted rock competition yeah kind of oh, like cool. the limestoner at yeah. rhymers yeah so similar thing so they'll have a list of like the classic climbs and if you lead you get more points versus if you top rope you have to have like a witness to say okay that person climbed it yeah and so it's your best three sport climbs out of that list plus two boulders and then the point system at the end of the day you win right so i would train with him and he was always trying this route called barracuda 513a which at the time i was like oh my gosh like and still i mean that's still like oh and it, it's it's wild you're you're climbing a slightly overhung um so a little bit over vertical just sheer face the the holds are are tiny sharp and it's it's not like dynamic movements but it's still big reaches and, mm-hmm. and getting the feet up i never tried it because <laughs> Okay, so you belay from a ledge over here, and so to to start the route, you step over like a, a, a chasm, like a 30-foot thing right here between where this rock face starts. So like it's oh intimidating. You're like at like the the edge of like a cliff or whatever, and then you're starting the, the belay. And so he would try and he, he was super like focused, you know. He would show up with a little cooler of um of his shoes on ice <laughs> he would he would have four pairs of the same what? shoes Wait, and he would why? have them like cooled on actual down. ice like with those cooling packs the ones that you put in yeah. the fridge like and freeze like what he for? because he 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 was like the rubber has to be the optimal like temperature s- oh, to okay. so that he would get that friction and so he would swap out his pairs uh, before he would try different attempts, this and is so next level. <laughs> I kind of want to meet this guy. <laughs> you know, uh, and so he would take me out there all the time, um, 
I ended up getting into, um, so like I was saying, like, drugs have been a part of my, uh, like, coming to, to adulthood story, and it's been a very challenging thing, so it, when I have the conversation with my parents, like, it's not all negative, Mm -hmm. like, definitely a lot of positive things have happened from using different substances but at the same time I've so often (laughs) like lost myself yeah and so I ended up in a situation where I had some legal trouble where I had to come back to Houston so that's what what made the the impetus from leaving Austin to coming to Houston and you can imagine um so I thought I, I so all I did I, I was like an aspiring like I just want to live the lifestyle of being a rock climber were and you aspiring to be like this guy you had been climbing with or like a hippie Dave version of whatever exactly, that was exactly okay. exactly yeah. so we were kind of like a, a mismatch of yeah. like true like partnership but at the time he was the mentor for me mm-hmm. that I, I needed, right? Very I was cool. just grateful that someone took me under their wing and showed me what could what could be, right? And so I'm skipping a, a portion of my rock climbing story of when I went to Mexico and got to climb around in the crags over there and be around the Mexican climbers and their just mental fortitude. Like, they... And I'm generalizing, but there's a, there's kind of like this theme that you see of just like rock warriors, where they are tapped into that um, that headspace that I guess happens when you're going and doing something a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them, they're doing these crazy five thirteens, trying different projects, and I'm just super intimidated. I'm like doing the sometimes the crags would the warm up would be like a five twelve. Or like a hard five right, eleven, right. and then everything else is doom, 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 like like stout climbs, and so it was cool to be around. I've always been like the like the least talented climber in the circles where I've been for the most part. Okay. Here at the gym, maybe not the case, but still, like the people that I have like kind of brought up under me have like surpassed me. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Which is totally. cool. Like that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I I I made some mistakes with um, some some drugs, marijuana specifically, um, and I ended up in Houston again. And so I was super depressed at the time. Um, I haven't ever talked about this um, on my podcast, but I feel like I've, I've wanted to. So there was a moment where one of my friends was like, hey, Dave, like if you go to California and bring back like a bunch of weed, um, you, you'll get you'll get a good chunk of change. I was like, right. OK, I'll do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll go and then I'll be able to go do like some sort of crazy adventure and so coming back home I get caught and like it was a large amount and so all of a sudden I'm sitting in a cop car 
I'm going to jail in Dimmit County, like some rural location. And I'm calling my mom and I'm like, What state were you in? In Texas. I had drove Yikes, all the way back. No. And I'm over here in Texas, super busted. Fuck. And I'm calling mom and I'm like, oh, I fucked up. And the severity of it was that it was going to be like, like t- at least 10 years, right? Of like the maximum penalty. It was probably going to be less, but in, in my mind. In prison. And so oh God. the, I was with one of my rock climbing partners. We thought we were on vacation. And then all of a sudden it was like a, a reality check. And so we're sitting there. His parents send a lawyer, gets him out. I'm sitting there for like a week. And then I don't know what happens, but like his parents are touched and they reach out to my parents and they're like, hey, I think that the what we want to do is have our lawyer defend Dave and then it'd be mm-hmm. like a cohesive um like defense essentially you know and these are complete strangers the first thing that they're knowing about me is that i'm getting in trouble for something ridiculous with their son you know right and so they talk about it my mom calls me up and she's like dave i don't want you to get excited but this might be happening a lawyer might be coming to get you and so I'm sitting there, and jail is such a depressing place. So jail and prison is different. Um, so jail is kind of like purgatory, you know? You see yeah. a lot of people coming in there for, especially where I was at, most, it was rural. A lot of the people were there for meth. Um, I guess that's a huge problem. And so you kind of see people in, like, their most broken place you know and and it's so crazy the way the mind of like criminals works like everybody was like having these like things of how they were going to game the system to try to get out sooner Mm -hmm. and I was just I was messed up so the lawyer comes he does get me out I end up driving home and then I was like okay well I'm probably gonna go to trial in two weeks that was not the case it was like a long drawn out um process and so sitting at home knowing that i had this huge thing looming over me and feeling like oh gosh like my youth is squandered like my freedom like the thing that i value the most now i'm not gonna be able to can i do you mind if i ask you questions about this experience sure yeah can we back up to being in jail when you were there like my understanding is kind of vague but is it like you're essentially waiting for a trial date or you have to post bail right that's right so did you have a trial date at that point were you just kind of like waiting indefinitely like what was Mm -hmm. that like being around but sound like meth heads not to like denigrate them but like what was it like being in that not quite knowing what the next step was so thankfully they had to separated like the more violent people or people that had been more problematic in the future were separate from um i guess the drug user type mm-hmm. people and so 
um, I remember it being a four or five cell kind of hallway and there was like two sometimes three people in each cell and so people just watch TV all day um, there's some phones but you have to you have to pay to use it and so and also you don't have anybody's number right <laughs> like the only yeah. people I know is my parents number and I was sitting there just hopeless and at the time I remember when I was getting booked they're like what's your religion I was like dude atheist agnostic like I was like on some what I was just like I thought I had the world figured out you know I was very young and and naive and then all of a sudden I was in a situation where I felt hopeless and so I remember doing the thing that I thought I would never do and I was sitting there reading a Bible you know but it, it's what I needed to to find comfort mm -hmm. in that most broken place that I was it's so lonely you feel forgotten about and yeah. you feel so ashamed too because your actions led to you being there and at the same time I was with one of my close climbing friends we had probably just gotten to know each other like in the past six months but like we'd gotten so tight and then all of a sudden it was like dang like we're probably not going to be friends anymore you know i felt guilty because i was kind of the reason yeah, that yeah, totally. that he was invited on that trip and a vacation that that yeah, turned out exactly yeah, sucks. and so yeah those people aren't weren't evil people they just yeah. did you feel any like camaraderie with any of them like it sounds like a lot of them were in this, you know similar purgatory did you like there was meet a few. anybody or did you like not want to meet anybody because you didn't I was intimidated like, meet, really? I was I was super intimidated they were harder than you um <laughs> a couple of them because yeah. I wasn't hard I'm me I'm like yeah, me yeah, right yeah um and I'm sitting there in the, the morning for the listeners he's wearing like a Hawaiian print shirt yeah holding a glass you're wearing an <laughs> awesome shirt too floral <laughs> And so we're sitting there, and I remember we were so out of place. I remember we grabbed our blankets, and me and Jonathan were doing yoga in the hallway. Uh, just trying to feel normal. They wake yeah. you up so or They wake you up like before 5 a.m. And it feels like they what just kind of. Like, what for? Just so that your day starts sooner. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels like it was hell yeah it was hell i remember looking so forward to they would take us from um like the cell they would open up the cells and then you could like be in this little hallway and just kind of mingle and interact and then like maybe once a week or twice a week oh i was only there for a week but like one or two times they allowed us to go to like the library or like a little they had like two or three bookshelves and then you could just people would just kind of like walk around like in a circle it was traumatic yeah it, yeah I'm sure. it broke me and so i'm i get out of there i come back home and then i just felt like like worthless i didn't i felt like my parents didn't trust me i didn't trust myself i felt that it was over that was it yeah um 
and then when when it had first happened like my parents couldn't help me like the bail that they had set for me was like fifty thousand dollars and to bond out you have to pay like ten percent and you know my parents knee-jerk reaction was like we're not gonna help you like you have to sort out like your own thing and so then to come find out that another person's parents were kind of like the reason that i got out that that just blew my mind so i was super ashamed that i had involved someone else and i was sitting there now not knowing the not knowing is tough yeah. And I know a lot of people go through that that experience of not knowing, you know, health issues, the loss of a loved one, the uncertainty of not having financial stability. Like it comes in different ways, but for me this is this is where where it happened. So that was kind of like my come to Jesus moment. And so I'm sitting there opening up this Bible that I didn't believe in and I was like mm-hmm. okay but I needed I needed comfort right so um, we come back home and that was probably the the time that we were most spiritually connected like we would like pray every night as a family and we would go to church on Sundays and we would just kind of have these conversations every night because it I didn't there was kind of like I don't know if like we're ever gonna have it just I didn't know yeah yeah <laughs> and so there was a lot of time where your mind just you feel imprisoned even though you're not behind bars like I felt the weight of I just felt really bad Sydney um and so I remember when the climbing gym opened up. That's how come I, re- I was like, October 2017. I yeah, know. you actually like, knew exactly. <laughs> I was like, and then. Um, when was the date when like all this had happened to you? October 9th. Damn. October 9th was when you were picked up. Yeah. Wow. And then like a week later, I was out. And then it felt like an eternity. And I didn't know anything. And then the communication with the lawyer was, like, not that. I mean, they don't really. Or that particular one, I felt like he wasn't there to hold my hand, essentially. And I get it. Um, So I would just get updates. I'd be like, okay, so you just got indicted. So what's that mean? Like, there's enough evidence for they're going to have a case. You know, so you would get these periodic updates of, like, Things are looking worse than ever. Oh, no, they're, they're looking sunny. Like, we might cut a deal. And then be like, no, they want to really come after you guys. And that's terrifying. I wish I didn't hear any of that, to yeah, be no honest. Shit. Just what like, don't tell coaster. me anything. What a roller coaster. And so um, the gym gave me a lot of solace at that time. I made my first friend there, Panya Sok at the at a yoga because i was getting into yoga again it was like i just cool. need to feel some peace of mind even mm-hmm. if it's just for 45 minutes I, I need something to anchor to for a little bit um whose yoga classes were you taking at the gym i remember i really liked going to um 
Lindsay Law. Lindsay Law. Mm-hmm. She was She's really awesome. So great. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And so then I started making friends, you know, and at the same time, so a whole year and a half passes and it's tough. Like those moments where you're driving in the car. So I live in, in Kingwood. Um, like to get to Silver Street, it's a little less than 40 minutes. And I don't feel it, but, at, you know, at the beginning, that was, like, a long time to just kind of be sitting by myself. And then the wheels of the thought just don't stop. It's mm-hmm. just like, what if, what if, what if? And they reached a point where I had to just, like, surrender. Like, I was like, I made my peace with it. I don't, I don't know how but i was just like i i accept it whatever is supposed to happen i will find life and ability to um like i'm not i'm not just gonna lay down and die if i have to go to jail then then that's gonna be the case and i'm gonna find a way to to be living and so a year and a half goes by and I we were scheduled to go to trial and so I bought my one way ticket. I was like <laughs> uh I don't know. Where in Texas is this? I'm so it's like it. outside of Lubbock. Yikes, okay. Yeah, like rural, you know. And so we're getting ready to go. And then the day before we're supposed to leave, I get a call from the um the attorney and he's like, Dave, they dismissed the case what yeah it was i wasn't even ecstatic at that time i was just like Did i couldn't believe it because no. it seemed like so so serious um the the reason that it happened is that um so when you get pulled over the law says that they can have you stop for the time it takes to address the reason that you're getting pulled over and if anything comes up during that time not related to that reason okay but you can't add on like time kind of investigating if it's unreasonable if that makes sense so the the reason I got pulled over was that I had high beams on Mm mm-hmm and so he's like, "Oh, you, your high beams were on, but now you guys, you guys look suspicious, you know." And so, and we were. <laughs> I mean, his gut intuition was right, but the they they took too long, essentially, before like the dog came out and everything. So it was more than like 15 minutes or something like this something really crazy what? something really oh crazy God. yeah it was traumatic what, are, what did that feel like like just what you had like a plane ticket to go to lubbock middle of nowhere and then just you didn't have to go right like and then i didn't have to go what did that feel yeah. like so you would think i would feel like amazing jumping for joy but i just felt i was tired I was so tired. Of course, I was happy. I was, like, shocked. I felt like everybody, like, all the friends that I would tell, hey, like, this is kind of going in my life. Like, 
I felt like people were like listen, but at the same time, no one's in your shoes, right? Yeah. No one's gonna actually have to face the consequences that you're dealing with, and so. I remember telling people, and they're like, oh, yeah, Dave, I, I, I had a feeling that you would be all right. And I was like, dude, like, <laughs> what? Get out of here, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was such a blessing. It felt like a second chance at life, you know. And so and so that, that, that was kind of like my first real moment where I felt, okay what am I going to do with the, this second chance and and so for a while I felt really guilty anytime that I did want to like use any drugs like I'm talking about weed specifically um, but then after you know after some time you the same habits kind of will start to, right, yeah. to come back and so recently um this girl that I've been talking to, she's like, Dave, like, it seems like you're always, you're always smoking. And this summer, I, I started doing a lot of acid, like a lot of, I love psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. Um, they make me feel like on point, like on fire. Right. But it was getting to the point where I was using it like as a mood changer like often yeah like a little pick me up in the morning and so people close to me were were coming like dave you're like you're you're being erratic like you're not being yourself at the same time i don't know if i was just speaking my truth more and so like yeah people wanted me to back off of being like okay like this is who i am in a sense right but then the doubt comes in is like is this sustainable? What if you make a mistake that you can't come back from? You've mm-hmm. already been down kind of a road like this. And and so my the goal that I set for myself kind of recently has been um, so like for me it's like candy, right? Like if I have it and I know that I have it, I want I want yeah, to use yeah. it. You know, it's hard for me to, to stop myself when I know I have easy access. And then at the same time, like I still like enjoy it, right? right I wish yeah. it was so easy that I could be like, no, I don't want that. Um, so what I had to do was like through everything I had away, my friends heard about it and they're like, Dave, what the fuck man like you should have just gave it to me but i was like dude i was feeling emotional at the moment yeah, and i yeah, just needed yeah. to get rid of all this for a moment because i didn't want to wake up in the morning and know that i had it and then feel guilty because i couldn't stop right because yeah. i didn't want to the shame of the hiding and then also the hiding and the lying and then kind of that doubt of like what if i lose my mind (laughs) all of a sudden like i just don't come back and so yeah so i threw all my stuff away recently and i still like (laughs) i'll be at i'll you know after climbing with some friends we'll be socializing and someone will spark up and i'm like let me hit it bro you know but at least i'm not um 
at least it's it's I'm on the track of of slowing down. Yeah. And so that's kind of something I've been dealing with. <laughs> that's all does it feel like recovery? Like even if you're still partaking in weed, like to cut out these other things, like does it feel like recovery or is that like what you would call it or right and the challenge is like where do I go here from here my, my mom's like Dave like you need to go you know get some help you know I've considered do I need to be part of like some sort of like an A or something like this but at the same time I feel that I don't want to be in that I need an accountability partner but at the yeah. same time I don't want to be around people really struggling with with things that I don't relate to. And with, like, complete sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like I'm saying, it's not all negative for me. Like, I've definitely had a lot of positive mm-hmm. growth experience. But the thing is, it's tough for me to not do something that I like. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I appreciate you listening to that. You yeah, know. I, pre- I mean, I totally appreciate you sharing it. Mm. It's, a, it's a lot to share, and we're just getting to know each other, so I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you feel like like you've struggled with anything that you've come out the other side of? You know, I sort of glossed over this when I was telling you like what led me into working at the gym but um you know I was struggling a lot with dealing with sexism and feeling accepted in the industry that I was in um you know and that's a different story for a different time um but I was struggling a lot and also you know I felt like I'd lost myself a lot I was trying to like be something I wasn't um to do a good job, you know, I was surrounded by people who were, you know, for the most part in the industry, as in, uh, like, 40 to 50-year-old men um, who hadn't worked with a woman before or had rarely worked with women, um, and so I really struggled to fit in, struggled to see myself in the future, um, and about like two and a half years in, I switched jobs in the same industry, but switched to a company that I thought like maybe it's the company culture, maybe, um, and then found it was really just the industry as in I was struggling a lot, um, but felt like I was in this cycle and didn't know how to get out. And also just was really, really lost in my early twenties. Like didn't know who I was because I was, you know, I valued work so much and felt like that was the most important aspect of somebody um and I always thought like I'd be good at whatever job I did that was important to me and I tried so hard and really just felt like my wheels were spinning for like four or five years um and then in 2018 in September of 2018 um you know it's so interesting these timelines how like our lives were on these uh you know, on different tracks and running into chaos kind of around the same time. Um, in September of 2018, my older brother um, passed away and he was an alcoholic for a long time um, and really struggled with addiction. 
Um, and you know, it was this huge, huge thing for our family for years, you know, even before he, before he passed. Um, and then on the night of his memorial, like several days after he passed, uh, my partner at the time was in a car accident that killed the driver. And it was, so my partner and I at the time were just simultaneously going through, you know, the most traumatic times of our lives. Um, and, and also right before that, I'm sure you remember, but, um, Hurricane Harvey had happened. So mm -hmm. there's Hurricane Harvey. I'd taken some time off from my job to, you know, be in Houston helping out. Um, I had been back at work for like a week and then my brother passed and I took, you know, a couple weeks off from that. And when I came back, you know, opened up my computer to start responding to emails again and starting to get like back to work I just like couldn't I couldn't even like fathom going back to work I think you know when you're faced with mortality and, and death you know in two different ways I just like couldn't imagine going back to this place where I knew like, it wasn't just a job I didn't like or, like, I was struggling in the industry. It was, like, I didn't know who I was. And I knew that what was holding me back from that was I was spending the vast majority of my time and attaching my value to this thing that I was failing in a big way at. And that is why um, I saw the job listing for assistant manager and I was, like, whatever. Like, I'll do anything right now. I'll, like, be a barista I work at the library. I don't give a shit. Like, I have... I just knew, like... It was a complete physical... Uh, shutdown of, like... I didn't feel physically able to go back to my job. Um, and physical, I mean, it was mental. Um, and I, I did go back to my job. I really, like... It was important to me to, like, leave on good terms. So... It was kind of funny for two weeks I was spending like 40 hours a week at my old job tying up loose ends and then also working in the gym you know as we were under construction and trying to open up um, but really transitioned super super quickly and spent you know the first couple years at the gym like when I was assistant manager just kind of like figuring out who I was um, and and I think it was really, like, when I became general manager at the gym that I started feeling, like, real comfort in my mind and in my body. And um, it's been, despite, you know, the past year and a half or so, like, the past three to four years have been just incredible. Like, really good. It feels like tremendous growth as somebody who knows themselves, whereas before like when I think about my early 20s it's a confusing time to think about I don't really know myself very well and I just keep getting to know myself in a really good way working at momentum and being around the people I'm around and it's been this like I don't know it's been this really important journey to me it's been cool um 
so yeah and I think you know I'm also super sensitive to hearing about stories of addiction and sobriety and you know whatever forms they're in not that I relate everything back to what happened to my brother but um it's definitely a part of my life like so so I, I don't know yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. I and appreciate you listening. Yeah, yeah. And just know that you make such an impact in the community that um, that Silver Street fosters, right? Um, the the people that have a job there, the people that get to show up there after work or maybe during you know, some hectic point of their life and just to find a little bit of, of camaraderie and, and solidarity with the other climbers. And and the culture there is, it, it's whole, like wholesome. I know it's it, it's got its, its things, like yeah. anything, right? But I feel overall, net, it's such a great place. I'm curious from your perspective, because it's, it's hard for me to look at look at it with clear eyes and also I appreciate you saying that that's nice and I can't take credit for how awesome everyone is who comes to that gym but like from your perspective what is the culture like at Silver Street so I'm a nighttime climber I'm an after work <laughs> evening climber okay all right so all right. I feel like it's a different energy day ver- totally, totally. versus night um I love that the 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 youth program is getting more and like stronger Mm -hmm. with each iteration um but for me mostly it's getting there after work and and just having a moment where I'm using my body and then I'm not thinking as much and also I love walking around and just saying hello hello friend let me tell you about my day how are you doing yeah yeah, I love cool. that. So, mm-hmm. like, everyone always teases me. They're like, Dave, like, you take forever. Because I'm always like, oh, I'm about to warm up, you know. And it's been, like, an hour, and I'm still talking to people. <laughs> yeah, your warm-up is also, like, getting to talk to everybody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so the group of friends that I hang out. So I was, I don't even know how old that was when I started. Maybe 26 when I started. I'm 20. That's probably wrong. I'm 28 now. And so it's a, there's the young, okay, so the friends that I hang out with are like 26 to 32. And so we like to go out, socialize. Um, it, it's kind of the spot where we all kind of meet up on Friday. And then after we feel like super invigorated, where are we going to head out to next tonight? That's cool. That's um, really cool. It's cool to see Maddie Morris and her partner Ian's community um, and them doing the Saturday morning frisbee mm-hmm. and the people that will come to that. Yeah, yeah. That's cool to see. Um, it's also what I love. I love meeting the people just getting into climbing. Yeah, yeah. And seeing, like, kind of, like, the rising stars, if you will, of, like, the next generation of of people getting stoked at that place. And so, 
you know, I feel that once you've been there for a while, you have to admit that it's clickish, you know, like there's different groups. Mm -hmm. And so people have gone through a shared experience and they want to protect the the safe space that has been created totally. within like yeah. their group and not feel disrupted by um by unwanted noise, right? But at the same time, like I feel that we've all had a starting place of not knowing anything not having a clue at all and then it feels so good when you're just invited by someone just being kind to you like it doesn't take much like it doesn't cost anything just to be kind to someone um and usually like every like has a story and to get a sense of who these individuals are and and to be part of their journey for a little while, it's been cool. That's how I met Chewy. So Chewy's a friend that I clicked with like this. Yeah. Um, he's in Chicago right now, hanging out with fam. But I, I was like, Chewy, we had known each other for maybe six weeks. I was like, Chewy, we're going on a rock climbing trip. Let's go to Joe's Valley. And so, so I told cool. him the night before, because we would always do yoga. I was like, hey man, my plans, I was gonna go to a music festival to Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo got canceled. I'm not staying home. Let's go. And he's like, okay, man. But just FYI, I've never even been camping. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, zero outdoor rock climbing experience yeah, almost. Yeah. But he was down. And so we made the road trip out to Utah. And you, you really get to know people when you're, like, in a shared space for so... We basically, like, hip to hip, like hours and hours on end that's so cool and so we get to know each other and we start having conversations and you know if you're genuine with someone else i feel like they'll start to to trust you to to share their story too and so i think a lot of healing happened for both of us on that trip and he thankfully the friends that were were already going there because they had made plans months in ahead to go and so for us it was more of like a pivot of like okay we're just going right yeah. so they were in an airbnb we were gonna camp and but we we're still gonna hang out we we're still gonna climb together and so thankfully like they were accepting and welcoming and also i think that's because he did his part of being you know someone that you would want to hang out with yeah yeah um so it was Chewy's first time like hanging out with your group exactly okay, cool. and so there's been moments in the past where the group is like dude fuck that guy you know yeah. and so for me I, I get super defensive like even to my own friends i'll feel like oh my gosh i can't believe that that you would be that way you know like, i i understand i understand yeah. it but at the same time i'm just like <sighs> you know it, it's just it's not the vibe that I want to be on. I totally appreciate that a lot. Because that is, like, a vibe that happens, like, when people become close friends. And, like, you know, there are cliques at the gym. And I think it is, like, one thing that I think, and you kind of touched on this, that's, like, cool about Silver Street is that so, so many people who are now, like, strong, like, climbers. Like, climbers with, like, a capital C, like 
started at Silver Street or started mm-hmm. taking the sport seriously at Silver mm-hmm. Street. And there was kind of, and it, this is just my own hypothesis. I don't know if there's anything to it, but like to be in a place where the vast majority of people are new, I think there's like something collectively humbling about that. And it felt and feels like the community is so like new still and very green that it feels like some of the exclusivity that I've heard described in other climbing communities of, you know, like super strong climbers or like the in crowd um, you know, I don't know that we see that as much, but we probably do. And like, I, I guess, you know, coming back around to say, like, I appreciate that about you. Cause that's, that's a shitty feeling to be on the other side of, to feel excluded. I've felt it, I've felt it too. And it doesn't feel good at all. It you sucks. Know, like, I've been to some places where it's like that surfers mentality of like only locals you right, know right, right. <laughs> and you're just like oh man i just want to be for i just want to be connected you're but like not wearing the right thing you don't have the right crash pad or like you feel like uncool for whatever like reason i've totally felt that and so i don't want to do that <laughs> that's that's cool that's cool definitely <laughs> can i ask you what you wanted to be when uh you grow up what I want to be like now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, probably we've gone in so many directions. Um, but off the record, I definitely want to talk to you about building things. But okay. I think, like, my dream is totally to be, like, a builder and an artist. Um, I love making things. I mm-hmm. love, like, creating. Um, so while the gym was never somewhere where I was going to be permanently... Or for a while, you know, I thought it was just going to be this temporary thing. But I really leaned into it the last couple of years and was like, I'm I'm here. About a year before COVID, I was like, I'm committed to staying at Momentum. This isn't just a thing I'm doing. Um, I'm going to try to be good at my job. And that's when I got the general manager position. That's when I really, like, you know, stood up straight and was like, I'm going to... I'm gonna like try hard at this. You know, before that, I kind of like deferred to the general manager at the time and like it would be sort of supportive and I felt totally out of my league like I knew nothing about climbing so I you know would defer to him and other people and now you know like past couple years I've really leaned into just doing the best job I can at my job um but being in the climbing industry or at least being in this job definitely isn't forever I really you know in my off time uh like all I think about is building things and making things um which I do a decent amount of in my free time and more and more in the past couple years, I just keep leaning into it and keep putting that out there and telling Mm -hmm. people and then like kind of more opportunities keep creeping up. So, um, you know, still psyched on being at Silver Street and, um, still learning and growing there, but it's, um, yeah, not where I hear you. You gotta, you gotta keep, the challenges coming so that you stay engaged and doing more meaningful work every year (laughs) of life as as things go on you know um and things that are like I think probably I could stay at Silver Street for a decade and have different 
and still find different ways to learn and grow and like be better at my job like the job there's so much to it it might just seem like you know like it's a rock climbing gym and I hear people say that but there's a lot to it that I could be better at and I could do that for a long time but I think for me focusing on like I think what my heart like really wants to do and like what kind of life do I want to have like yeah that's where I'm starting to like pivot that's so cool yeah cool and uncertain place to be but it feels good let me tell you about an unexpected hobby that I started okay Um, so all of a sudden um I started having cars be introduced into my life older cars not necessarily like super classic but some of them like more than 20 years right Mm -hmm. so I got um this like yj jeep wrangler like old school shifting and um i got that car because a family friend was moving and they're like hey do you want to buy it and i was like dude yes like yeah of course i started working on it um and then recently one of my customers was like hey like you see this Harley Davidson like you know anybody that could use it do you want it and I was like yeah man sure and so slowly like I've gotten so like I feel like more of a technician Mm -hmm. you know um in the sense of like I liked I like the process of of like figuring out how the the little pieces work together and at the same time um it's frustrating sometimes when a simple thing doesn't want to come apart you know when when you're just kind of fighting something but i would have never thought like right now i have like four vehicles and not all of them are like all like fully operational right like that's always kind of the thing that i'm working on is like trying to get them like roadworthy projects projects and they're not far off you know but each one require like right now i'm really focused on fixing up the motorcycle so that I can sell it. I, I thought about it. Do I want to ride a motorcycle? It seems great, but I, I don't want to fall and I don't want to die um, because of a motorcycle, right? I think that that would that would um, leave a huge hole in like the the lives of the people around me, and at the same time, like in a huge hole in your life, well, a yeah. huge hole in the nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. But it, it the idea of it looks so so great and. Um, there's but a draw to it. I totally get that. Yeah. They're but I fun. don't think I could. I think I would have an accident. Especially in Houston. Houston's so scary to drive yeah. in in a normal car. Uh-huh. So to not have, like, I don't know, the body of the car, like, defending you, I just think is For sure. pretty crazy. And then I have this old um, little Audi sports car that I bought that I'm like, that's the one I really want to have on the road. But I have a like some emission stuff so like the plumbing of it essentially it has like different kind of air leaks and so the the engine thinks it's not it's like getting unmetered air right so it's throwing off with the computer saying and so then it gives you the check engine and then you can't pass the emissions right so like the the reason i'm telling you this is that it was something that I've always kind of wanted to do like going back to watching my grandpa working on things and like bringing machines in like cool to to me cool machines into life again yeah, yeah. And, and using them 
And so that kind of segues into like dreams that have been abandoned but that are being like reignited. Cool. Yeah, so cool. something that I think of when I when I think of that is um the the reason that I got into climbing was I wanted to climb the nose like El yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and for a while it felt like I was on that journey to towards that and then all of a sudden um I was like you know like maybe that's not the path for me i started kind of going to like a more sport climber route now more bold i almost exclusively boulder in the, in like indoor setting mm-hmm. and so when i go on the trips the mental game is always tough and and i started moving away from that and i was like well maybe i'll never do that but now like it would be so cool to give myself such a you know crazy um crazy objective that would be that would be awesome that'd be really cool yeah that'd be really cool do you feel like you've let go of anything that like climbing specifically no just like in general yeah i mean huge things i think i held on to stuff a lot like i described in my 20s of like dreams of what i thought like a fulfilling life was or would be i feel like i've let go of a lot of that exciting to think about but then like I also have grace with a lot that like like I mentioned between bouldering and sport climbing that I feel like you know I'm gonna kind of pendulum between the two over time that you know sometimes I'll be like super dead set on something and then that kind of starts to like fade away but I feel like you kind of know when you're gonna like come back to it and that as I keep getting older I keep being more and more okay with that with you know there's some things I like stick with and see them through but there are other things like life comes in waves and definitely comes in you know different phases that when something like a dream or a vision starts to phase out or even a friendship or relationship mm-hmm. you know I feel like you have a gut feeling when you know that you're going to come back to it um, and then it's not lost forever so definitely a lot of those that's such a trip the relationships especially yeah yeah i I feel like it's almost been the case that some relationships for whatever reason i wanted so bad and then it you know wanted it too bad and then it doesn't work out and then like romantic relationships or friendships like both okay both but and then all of a sudden that that kind of thing I was dead set on life doesn't end up working out that way and then time will pass distance and then all of a sudden you might see that person Mm -hmm. again unexpectedly and it's cool it's it, it it it's cool to see whether or not anything um comes of it it, it's just cool to see that things kind of go and come back yeah yeah totally what are your climbing goals right now if not like the direct one in the future if it's not climbing the nose what what are you going after so in about 
six weeks, I'm going to go to Monterrey to go rock climb. Cool. And so one of the up-and-coming crags, which it's been a hot spot for, for many years, but that has gotten on my radar is um, El Salto, La Cienega de Gonzalez. Um, limestone, sport climbing, like, looks like Spain, you know, but maybe yeah. less polished. Yeah. And I want to go out there with that that drive of challenging myself. Because sometimes I'll go and be like, yeah, I want to do this. And then when the time comes, I'm there. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's scary. Right, right. Yeah, that feeling. The doubt. And so. God, that cre- the, the creeping up of the thought of, like, why do I even like why am I even doing this yeah I don't know if that happens with you but for sport climbing when I'm scared for sure like I'm like why am I doing this yeah it'll cross my mind of like I don't want to do this like I don't want to be here and then I'll feel tortured because I'm like what am I doing though like why am (laughs) I even here um so I'm excited about that I'm excited about showing up for me rock climbing is barely about the climbing yeah it's about the experience i love the camping i love the traveling i love the meeting people mm-hmm. and so but once i'm on the wall like it's all about the climbing um i'm excited cool so that's it cool i appreciate you yeah i appreciate you this what a great conversation i think so like, too. about climbing and also like not about climbing at all Right. Which seems to be like your theme for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just to get to know the really cool characters, the rock stars, if you the will. Rock Gaddy. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Um, that are just hiding in plain sight. So yeah. I appreciate you. Cool. Um, I think on that note, we could wrap up the right. uh, the conversation. Right. But thank you guys for tuning in. We'll have another installment hopefully next week. And um, if you haven't checked out my YouTube channel, check it out. Type in Dave Martinez, Houston Rock Climber. Some of my videos will start popping up. If you have any questions, um, talk to me at the gym and we'll try to address them in the podcast. Do you have an Instagram or anything people can follow you at? Yeah, so I have one called... um, come underscore back dave okay come back dave i haven't posted anything (laughs) um on it in a while i actually came up with the name when i was going through my whole uh legal thing yeah and so I, i didn't use it at the time but i had this vision in my mind even at that time i was like this is not gonna be the end of me yeah like i'm gonna come back and it's gonna start with this instagram <laughs> yeah, silly. It's silly. But thank you for tuning yeah. in. Thank you, Sydney Smith. Thank you, Dave Martinez. All right. Cool. That was awesome. Fun.